Would you stand and listen for the word of the Lord? This morning we're reading from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, and then 9 through 18. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap at the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. And you shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor. You shall not steal. And you shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, I can remember when I was only a child that Methodists around me would sometimes refer to people, Christians, that went to other churches as holy rollers, usually used as a term of derision. I've heard growing up, and actually fairly often, even recently, people referring to someone else, often a fellow Christian, as holier than thou usually also used in a pejorative sense. I want us to think about what it means to be holy and how we use that word and how the Bible understands that word and how that applies to God and how that applies to us. Because I think when we use it in such a negative way, it reveals for any number of us our sense of discomfort with the whole concept of holiness or being holy it's ironic isn't it that the founder of methodism john wesley and his brother charles and some of their friends when they first gathered together to try to be as faithful as they could as followers of christ they were known as the holy club it's a part of our tradition and yet, I think it's a part that we do not understand so very well and therefore are somewhat uncomfortable with. In our text today, it says that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel. Speak to all the congregation. Who is it to? 
It's to all the congregation. It's for every one of us. It's not just for some others who are holy people. At least this is the way Moses and the Israelite community understood these directives and commands from God is that they helped us be the people of God. Of course, I would want to point out as well that there is much in the book of Leviticus that seems very out of date and does not apply to our lives today. One example is it talks about farming. I don't know about you, but I can guess most of you have not been farming this week. So when there's an admonition to be sure you reap in a certain way, it really does not apply, I don't think, probably to any of us here. But there's other passages in this section in Leviticus called the Holiness Codes that refer to women, but almost always it refers to women as property. I don't think many of us, I hope none of us would think that was a model for Christian living today. In the chapter before where we read, in the next chapter there are references to males lying with males or prohibitions against what many say homosexuality. But so often, just like in the others, we have to be so very careful to understand the context and why these were written and how they were being used. I think we must be discerning and be sure we do not take these teachings out of context, which I find people do so very often. If you want to read more about how United Methodists deal with these kind of passages and some controversial issues, I've written a little booklet about that. You can find it on our website if you want to read more about that. But we have these kinds of passages. I just look here in verse 19, right after where we finished reading. There's this prohibition. Nor shall you put on a garment made of two different materials. Now, I can remember in seminary, our professor saying, how many of you are violating that right now? Of course, almost all of us were violating it. Almost all of us are probably violating this prohibition right now. And if not today, then sometime in this last week. I don't hear anyone arguing to use this as a bedrock of Christian faith. And that this is something that we should build faith on and decide who's welcome in the community of faith and who is not because of this kind of prohibition. So what do we do when we have these holiness codes that are in the Bible, and there's so many of them, how do we determine, how do we approach it, how do we decide how we can make sense of this? Some people say, well, you have to take them literally, you have to live by all of them. I don't think that's the best path. Others would say, throw them all out. I don't think that's the best path either. I think we do better if we're willing as people of faith to study these a little more, to dig a little deeper, to see if we can understand what's being said and what the context is. I think if we are willing to grapple with them, we will find some things that will enrich our faith and help us understand why they were written and what they were trying to do and what values they're holding up. 
as we grapple with them, we will find that their purpose is to identify those who are God's people. It helps us identify those who have said, I want to be in a covenant relationship with God. I want to live my life the way God wants me to live my life. It helps us understand as a community of faith what our values are, how we decide about what's right and what's wrong, what it means to live together as a people of God or a covenant community or even as a Christian community today. Of course, these are also important in that they form the basis of the ethics Jesus taught. Of course, you probably recognize the very last verse I read today is one that Jesus quotes. He quotes that one, but he adopts this whole framework of this understanding that who God is and what God wants makes a real difference to us. So his ethics all hang on love of this God and love of neighbor, and how those two are united and go together. You remember, he was asked, what is the great commandment? Do you remember his answer? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is quoting Leviticus to help us understand who we are as his followers, as well as as a people of God. You can hear the roots of it in verse 18. I'm going to read it to you again, that very last verse we read. After all the prohibitions and directives and commands, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall love your neighbor as yourself because I am the Lord. I want us to think about how Leviticus is written and how Jesus has read it and uses it in his own teaching. These first two verses we started with today, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God am holy. And then you heard when Reverend Campbell read to us from Matthew where Jesus is speaking this line, be perfect therefore, be perfect therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. But you could also render it, be holy therefore, as your heavenly Father is holy. Or you could even say, be fully loving, therefore, as your heavenly Father is fully loving. In other words, we love our neighbors because God loves our neighbors. We care for the poor because God cares for the poor. We take care of the immigrant, the alien in this text, the stranger, because God has created them, and God provides for them, and we are to provide for them as well. Because we are God's people. Be holy, therefore, as your heavenly Father is holy. We love and care for others because they are a part of God's family. 
So every week when we pray, Our Father, theologically, we're opening our arms to all of God's children. We're saying we understand ourselves and others as all a part of God's family. You can hear the greater context of this. If I read a few more verses that Reverend Campbell read to us earlier, I want to read you these verses from Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus is speaking and says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For God makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have, or what difference have you made? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Our holiness, if you will, is based on God's holiness. You heard the refrain over and over at the end of each stanza of commands, I am the Lord, or I am the Lord your God. We're to do these things because we are part of God's family. Because that's who God is. That's how God has created us. That is who God is calling us to be. Six times in the 11 verses we read, the refrain ended, I am the Lord, or I am the Lord your God. God is the Lord of life. As people of faith, we say God is creator of all and is Lord of life. And therefore, if we're going to be God's people, if we're going to live in covenant with God, we're to live by God's stipulations and God's rules. The best way to do this life is God's way. And let me suggest to you that God's way is the way of generosity and justice and love. I mean, there's a lot of details in Leviticus, but there's certain themes you can hear that if you're a farmer, you're supposed to leave some of what you could harvest for someone else. If you have a vineyard, you're supposed to leave some of the grapes for someone that doesn't have anything to eat. Now, those may not apply to you, but you understand the concept, right, of generosity, of caring for others, of making provision for someone who may not have anything so that they can have something because they're a part of God's family. But there's others that are very clear that I think can apply to us that say, do not steal, do not lie, do not, do not defraud another. Could you make application of those to your life? It says, do not murder, but not only that, do not have hate in your heart. Do not seek vengeance. Don't even carry a grudge. But rather, love your neighbor as yourself. I am 
the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself because I am the Lord and you are part of my people. And this is how we live together. I mean, just think about it. Would you rather go to a car mechanic that lived by this ethic of not lying or stealing or defrauding? Or would you rather go to one who was just trying to make a little more money off of you? Would you rather buy a house from somebody who wanted to love their neighbor or someone who didn't mind lying and defrauding you and was just trying to get rid of a property and make some money? Would you rather go to a stockbroker or a lawyer or any business person, for that matter, who lived by this ethic? Or one that you didn't know if you could trust because you didn't know what they believed and you didn't know if they lived by this idea that it was best not to steal or lie or defraud, that it was best to treat others as they wanted to be treated. I would rather deal with those kind of people. Who would you rather have as a neighbor? Who are you as a neighbor? So often I get to sit with couples who are preparing to get married. And I talk to them about a whole host of things. But part of what I talk with them about is Christian financial stewardship. And, of course, I talk to them about how that impacts their budget and their financial health and the building of wealth and managing things. But I also talk to them about how much difference it will make to their marriage because it will change their character. I remind them it's so much better to live with someone who's generous than someone who's greedy, someone who wants to give rather than someone who just wants to take. And what the Bible teaches us and what Christian faith teaches us is the way we grow into that is this standard of the tithe where we're asked to give 10% of our income. Oh, that stretches us. But I tell them it doesn't just impact their finances. But if they're willing to stretch in that direction, it will create within them a character of generosity. And it will change the texture of their marriage if they both are becoming ever more generous people. It's true in marriage, but it's true in life. Being around generous people is a better way to go. It's a richer life. I think it's a life of faith. These holiness codes, at their best, Tell us how a community can live together and thrive. These holiness codes from Leviticus, at their best, tell us who we can be because of who God is. The good news is that we are God's people, and God is showing us the way of how to be a community that thrives where everyone's needs matter where everyone gets taken care of, where we watch out for the poor and the widow and the alien and the stranger, not because we think necessarily we like them or they deserve it, but because they are children of God. And we are children of God. 
Oh, we have to be discerning. And we have to look at these carefully. But when they are in concert with the teachings of Jesus, they can help us understand who we can be as people of faith. They help you understand who you can be as a person of faith. They help shape us as people. They help shape our character. They help us build better relationships with one another. They help us be a part of a healthy community. These holiness codes take some study, but there's some words of wisdom that can help shape us as a people that I think would enrich our faith if we'll take the time to do the study. One of my favorite Christian songs is by a group called Casting Crowns. I think it does a good job of summarizing what this part of Leviticus is saying. I want to read to you the lyrics of the song. I think it's a great way for us to close today. It reads like this. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bride and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Still, you hear me when I'm calling. Lord, you catch me when I'm falling. And you've told me who I am. I am yours. I am yours. Amen. Thanks be to God.